From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is a bonus episode of our weekly segment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. We typically air Green Tagged every Monday, and Green Tagged is our weekly commentary show where we break down the news and discuss why it matters to your haunt. Of course, we're still airing Green Tagged episodes, but since our Hauntathon is currently happening, this is going to be treated as a bonus episode. Check your feed for today's regular Hauntathon episode. Anyway, here is Scott Swenson and I with this week's installment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. From our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, this is Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip. I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Swenson of Scott Swenson Creative Development. And Scott, we're so happy to have you and see you here and you survived the hurricane. Although I'm not sure you were you were in town for the whole thing. We can skip that. I wasn't in town for any of it. I actually, so it's funny because everybody kept contacting me. Uh, are you all right? Are you all right? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. I was I was in Indianapolis uh, at the time <laughs> and actually got stuck there for pretty much an extra two days um, because of the storm. However, uh, at my at my home, which is also my office and my home studio, um, the nothing. Everything was fine. We had uh, we lost power for about uh, 12 hours and uh, then had some branches go down and that sort of thing. But we we really, really lucked out, at least in this part of Tampa. Um significantly more damage for those of you listening around the country or around the world. I'm sure you've seen images of Fort Myers and uh, uh, Port Charlotte and, and Sanibel Island. And, you know, the, it, there was significantly more damage south of, of where I'm located. And even Orlando got hit pretty hard um, mm-hmm. for being a, a, a city that's in the middle of a state as opposed to being on the water. But, um, you know, it, it's it's a hurricane, you know, it's, it's the way, it's the way things go. And, and I think everybody, the only, the only thing you can do for a hurricane is have a plan in place and be able to um, alter that plan as the path changes. For those of you who live in an area where hurricanes aren't necessarily a thing, uh, it's the best way to describe it for me is somebody said, it's sort of like being stalked by a turtle serial killer. You know, there's a bunch (laughs) of damage coming and it's coming towards you just very, very slowly. And you never know when it's going to turn right or when it's going to turn left. And and that's exactly what happened. So, um, but I am back. I'm finally back in town. It's it's delayed a few things, but nothing got, uh, none of my projects that I'm working on got damaged, destroyed. Um, you know, they, they even, for Undead in the Water, they even moved the ship um, and then put it in a different berth. And now it's back and it's it's going great guns. So, you know, we we dodged a bullet here in Tampa, but my uh, my thoughts and uh, and well wishes go out to all the folks who are south of us and the folks in Orlando who still don't have power. Of course, if you don't have power, you're probably not listening to us. Just say, just thinking. Uh, oh, maybe I don't know. You maybe get your cell phone usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but after a week, your cell phone dies. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, well. Um, Reports from the other attractions, uh, most of the attractions, the theme parks in the area reopened on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think everything seems like it's mostly up and running in terms of the large entertainment, the theme parks, the Halloween Horror Nights. You know, there were phased openings for some of those. Uh, I think everybody li- missed at least one day, as far as I could tell. And then some people missed two days or, you know, whatnot. But um, but like you said, your your shows you were working on were, were back are back up and running now. So I think everything running Zoo Tampa Tampa was delayed. um, Zoo Tampa was delayed doing their, their preview by a day. 
And uh, when they reopened, which would have been their opening night, they reopened it as a pre quote unquote preview night. Um, mm -hmm. And it was packed because, yep. you know, families had been stuck in the house with their kids and no power for the last three days. So they wanted to get out and, and, you know, had a great time. So uh, yeah, things, things got hiccuped. There were a couple of, you know, couple of attractions that had took it took an extra night off let's just put it that way and uh, <laughs> and it, what was interesting you know the reason that some of the uh, some of the areas or some of the uh, the events had issues is people evacuated um yep. you know like here in Tampa for example people evacuated and they would evacuate to like the other side of the state or up to Atlanta or uh, and they weren't planning on coming back until after the weekend so um there, even the places that did reopen, um, I can almost guarantee you that a lot of them had reduced casts uh, and reduced staffing because um, they were waiting for the folks to get back from the evacuations. So, you know, people have to you, people have to take into consideration that it's not just oh the weather's fine we should open. It's all the infrastructure that may or may not be intact. It's all of the staffing that may or may not still be there because they were you know threatened. I mean, Tampa, for example. We thought, sure, it was heading this way, and if not for a, a what we'll call a last-minute right turn um, when it was coming up the Gulf, the devastation, those those devastating images that we've seen come out of Fort Myers would have been here in, in Tampa. And in fact, at one point in time, the absolute center of the, the cone was running through my backyard. So, yeah. so I'm I'm kind of glad. Uh, I'm sorry for the folks down south. I, I can't say that enough. But uh, on a very selfish, in a very selfish way, I'm I'm. I'm glad that we kind of dodged a bullet there. So, yeah. Wow. Well, I don't want to use a, a bullet segue. That would be inappropriate. But first, let's go into the, there's a chaperone policy change over at Knott's. And we're going to tie two stories together, uh, one from Knott's and one from Kennywood, because they both deal with chaperones and, and safety and security measures. So the Knott's changes to Scary Farm chaperone policy I feel like it's been big news in, in our sector, both in theme entertainment and in Halloween and kind of everything, a, a lot of discussion around this. Um, but the basics of it is that the existing Knott's Berry Farm chaperone policy requires all parks, all park guests ages 17 and under to be accompanied by an adult 21 and over. However, the new Scary Farm chaperone policy, which came into effect this past weekend, states that one guest age 21 and older can accommodate, can chaperone up to five Minors, so basically one adult to up to five minors. In addition, and also effective this weekend, any chaperone, any adult who has who has the full five minors will be given one complimentary admission to use for that night. So, generally, the feedback I've seen about this policy is that it is positive. Overall, people in the industry folks have have been seeing that as a positive thing to give somebody that. On my my, my just my think personal reaction to it is that does not sound, I mean, that kind of like, it's kind of like the DD program. I think it's positive overall, but also I'm like, gosh, I would never want to do that. Like I would, I, I could never imagine chaperoning like five kids. That's, that's too, that feels like too stressful to me to have to be responsible for five minors through like a Halloween event, you know, kind of all night that feels like work, like way, way too, you know, so I think the ticket is like the least they could do <laughs> kind of thing. Like they have to pay for parking. I feel like there'd be a, that's kind of the least they can do to, to chaperone uh, that many minors. Uh, so well, Scott, what do you think? Well, we talked a little bit about this uh, before on the show, and um, 
you know, I agree with you. I, I, I think that it's impossible really for one person to chaperone five 17 year olds. If those five 17 year olds want to go out and raise a little bit of hell. Um, mm -hmm. but again, it, it's that, it, it's that, uh, can we, can we hold someone legally responsible? And that's mm -hmm. still to be determined. We'll see how that, how that turns out. Um, but you know, you, you, you can, you can arrest a 17 year old, but in most cases you can't prosecute them. Uh, but you can prosecute their, their, uh, their parental, the, the person acting in the parental role, um, the 21 plus, um, to be completely honest, there was discussion, there's been discussion over the last, well, I've been in discussions with different clients over the last two years about the possibility of making their Halloween events simply 21 and up just yeah. across the board. Um, there's also been discussion about, uh, you know, going away from going away from the, the, the content that would draw this kind of, uh, kind of audience. Um, there's been a lot because, because they're, they're spending a ton of money and time on fights and litigation and, uh, injuries and you know, guest issues. So it's, it's eating away at the bottom, at the bottom line. And that's not what you're really going to see reported anywhere. Um, but it is happening and it always has been part of the Halloween industry. You know, that you have to put it into your budget that we know we're going to have, um, X amount of trip and falls, X amount of, of fights, X amount of, but it's just gotten out of control. And apparently it's ramped up significantly over the last couple of years. So in my opinion, I can't say this is a bad thing, but I think it's lip service, and I think it is. I think it is a uh, middle of the road solution that mm. uh, probably won't really affect the situation much, um, because, quite honestly, um, you can get five seventeen-year-olds to find a twenty-one-year-old that will take them for free, and then go off and do their own thing. So yeah, um, yeah. So you don't you don't think that the 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 free ticket will change anything for the? I don't think the free ticket will change anything. I don't think that the I don't think the policy itself will change a whole lot. I think it is I think it is a way. Uh, it, it's a first step that it yeah. will look good for people um, who come to the event to say, "Look, we're making a change," um, but I'm not sure how effective it will actually be. Uh, I hope it is. Um, I hope it's effective, but, uh, you know, as you say, you're assuming that the 21 year old is actually going to take their job seriously. Yeah. And I can't guarantee 21 plus year old. And I can't guarantee that that's necessarily the case. I can't guarantee that it's not, I'll be fair, but I can see that that could easily backfire. And, and it's, again, it's finding that balance. It's, it's, yeah. Haunts are stuck between a rock and a hard place. You know, they, they've got a, a strong audience base in the the mid to late teens, and um, <clears throat> they don't want to to give that up completely. At the same time, they've got to find ways to get this this the the violence in the parks under control. And so, I I give credit I give credit where credit is due um, that they are making an attempt to figure out something, and they are making it more difficult for you know these roving bands of miners to, to get in and, <laughs> and raise hell and not the fun, scary kind. But, um, it's, it's interesting because I, I'm not a hundred percent certain how much it's going to help. We will see. Um, kudos to, kudos to them for trying.
Yeah, yeah. I, I do kind of agree that overall, I think that it's more of, again, the, I don't know how to, I don't know the exact word, but, uh, but, but basically, and this isn't just, again, this isn't with minors. I think we talked about this a tiny bit. Like it's kind of just in general, there's always a percentage, you know, that like it, it, there's a percentage of, it, it, there's a percentage of people that, that, that again, want to raise hell in, in some way or not. It doesn't have to be kids. You know, it, it, there, so I think that's more the problem. It's like, there's always been 1%, you know, of whatever, even if it's 1% of your crowd or even less than 1%, you know, it's back to the classic argument of like, well, how are you going to, are you going to punish everybody else just to try and get that 1% to not do something crazy? Like, well, you know, that's, they're going to find a way through almost any, anything. If they right. really want to, they're going to find a way. And to go back a little bit into, into theme park and Halloween history, you know, uh, theme parks, especially theme parks that were primarily family-based during the day, who did a, a, a more adult-themed Halloween event at night, their biggest concern originally was that it was going to be the, the alcohol that was, you know, infused or in some cases saturated throughout the event. Um, it was going to be the alcohol that caused the fights. So they made they made the proper uh, preparations for that kind of thing. They made the they mm-hmm. put that they put those safeguards, and they've been developing those safeguards over the years. Well, so that's kind of why the twenty one and up crowd is not really the focus now because that's they they've got that group under you know under some sort of under some sort of control. It's now the younger kids who you know, kind of fell under the radar of the 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 various and sundry programs and 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 uh, rules and regs that they put in to help prevent the drunk folks from getting into fights. So now yeah. the sober kids, the sober teens are getting into fights and they they're having to kind of backtrack and go, whoa, wait a minute. Um, we hadn't thought about this. And, uh, you know, we, I think the same logic could be said, well, once we get the 17 year olds, then you know, we're going to have to find something that's going to keep the 60-year-olds from fighting. I don't know. Yeah. But it, <laughs> yeah. it, I, I think that, you know, the reason the focus has, is on kids is not because kids have never been a problem before. It's that their focus has been on the the alcohol-induced fights. And um, the focus has been so strongly on that, that this other area, you know, as this went down, this went up. So, you know, that that sense of equilibrium yeah. is always going to be try. We're always going to try to attain the the proper amount of violence, I guess, in a haunted attraction. I know that sounds weird, but the focus has been on the the twenty one plus for so many years that now they're recognizing. Oh wait, it's not just them. Yeah, yeah, that that's a great point. Um, well, and it kind of segues, of course, into our next related story, which is there was a shooting last week at uh, Kennywood during their Phantom Fall Fest. Uh, the basics are that uh, a shooting injured three guests, two of which were 15, and one was a 39-year-old male. Uh, so actually, there's there's kind of like shockingly few details on how the shooter evaded security, who the shooter was, that that whole thing. There hasn't been too many details released about that yet, but um, there are no life-threatening wounds. It seems like everybody that, that was shot was recovering, so it seems more like they were grazes graze they weren't... Um, Nobody, nobody died as, as a result of it, which is, thank goodness, you know, that would have been terrible. Uh, so in response, you know, Kenny would kind of issued a, a basic, um, basic, basic statement, nothing out of the ordinary. What they said, though, in terms of going forward for security, they're going to 
do a stronger collaboration with local police. It seems like they're going to try and bring in more more local police uh, for that. And they're also limiting bag sizes and they're requiring chaperones for guests 1700s. That's kind of why we pair these together because, you know, not the chaperone policy pre-preceded the shooting and then 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 not change it to the ticket thing and then then this happened and so so it seems like even we're already seeing other parks are kind of picking up on my trying to do a chaperone policy of their own and i've i've, I've also seen a lot of discussion in our networks of independent haunts even considering a chaperone policy as well for for their haunts so it's something that a lot of people are looking at um there's just a point here, though. It's not like there was no security for this. So so there was a shooting that occurred. People are unsure how they got a gun in because there, there was no, there was the normal security scanners. There was the normal, you know, metal detectors and the bag checks. So they're, they're like right now they're they're looking at limiting the sizes and putting chaperone. But like they're not really changing any of those other policies because they were in place when this happened. And no one really has said yet that, that I could find. Maybe it's come out since the, this recording. If you're listening later, it might be revealed, but nobody really has figured out how the gun got into the park. But there, there is a, a pretty good theory um, that was shared by Coaster, the Coaster Radio folks um, who know the, the property. And I actually want to get Scott's take on this because I think this is a pretty good theory. Their theory is basically kind of akin to what we were just saying about people, if, if, they, if they're determined, there's a way. Their point is that there's plenty of places around the park where the fence is only, you know, what, six feet high. So you could just toss a bag over the fence and you just toss a, a firearm over the fence to someone inside that's waiting and grab it and go. And, you know, we don't know the details about the shooter either. We don't know how old they are or whatnot, just that they were wearing a COVID mask to, you know, a COVID mask that just... To, I guess in this case, to obscure their face, probably not not for the COVID reasons. Um, and then a hoodie, uh, but they did look younger. It wasn't like people said it was an older person. So um, so I, I kind of, I think that's a pretty solid theory. Like it seems like, yeah, I've been to plenty of parks where it's just a fence and you just can, you could talk, I mean, so you could put all security you want. Again, here's the thing, you put all security you want at the gate, but if your fence is, if a dog can get over your fence, really, my Husky can jump nine feet. So like, you just like, to toss a bag over there so you know huh? so yeah i it's so funny that it's so funny that because i had not i had not heard of this uh until philip mentioned it just before the show and um the first thing i thought of uh and just so you guys know quite often philip and i will mention things and then say wait let's not talk about it yet let's talk about it on the show so what you're getting yeah. here is is yeah. actual conversation between the two of us um yeah. so the first thing i thought of was well there, there's clearly a chain link fence that um, needs yeah. color. Uh, <clears throat> because in working in, in working in multiple theme parks, uh, either directly for the park or or as a as a consultant, there there's always a place where you realize, oh wait a minute, if people wanted to now the the issue used to be if people wanted to sneak in, they yeah. could. Um, there was, you know, it, it's amazing how when you do a nighttime event, people think that all of a sudden nighttime makes them invisible. Um, and mm -hmm. in some cases, it it does because uh, not so much that you can't see them doing it. It's that the people who are normally there to watch what's going on are off watching other things um, like the entrances and exits to haunt mazes. Just just saying. Um, 
But mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like to me is that it, there there was some sort of, and I wouldn't be surprised if that person didn't even come over the fence themselves. Not that it was a bag yeah. tossed over the fence, that they were hoisted up, they went over the fence um, and and got in and and raised havoc because, and, and because, you know, have you, has there been any reports that they were actually uh, abducted after it happened? No. So, so we don't know whether they got away or not. Correct. So the chances are good they had an exit strat- strategy as well. Yeah. Um, yep. It, it, Maybe the same spot. <laughs> perhaps the same Up spot. and over and back. Exactly. To, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And part of the reason we may not be hearing something is because it is possible that, you know, they, uh, they found a, a weak link in the fence, so to speak. Um, maybe literally, maybe figuratively. Um, but again, I know Kenny Wood as well. Um, I don't know it like the back of my hand, but I've been there. And um, yes, it is in a it's in a location that could conceivably have um, fence areas that were that are climbable. Um, you you may have to you know throw your your jacket over the the barbed wire at the top or the razor wire at the top. Um, but you know, uh, if, if you think about it, nothing is impenetrable. Yeah. Um, there's always a way to get in. It, you know, it's, I hate to be cliched, but where there's a will, there's a way. And if somebody wanted to get in and raise hell, um, unfortunately it was somebody with a gun and they, they absolutely desired their 15 minutes of fame. Um, then, you know, they, they found a way in. Uh, I think, you know, I think that, uh, because people are going to say, well, that's great, Scott. Now you know how they get in, but what's the solution? And Exactly. And yeah. I think the challenge... And we were just talking about that. It's the same thing we were just talking yeah. about. Like, if they want to do it, it's again, if, if if somebody wants to do this, what, I mean, really, what do you really, I mean, now you got to go in and got to fortify your structure. It's just like, I don't know, this is terrible, but it, the thing in my brain, I'm sure I'm going to get flack for this, the thing in my brain that I think about is like, back when I had my, my, my old dog who passed away and we moved him to a new house and he was a husky and he was very, very wild, like just a very, he, he, he wanted to get out. Mm-hmm. And I can't, it, it took us so long to fortify the house because it was like, first it was jumping the fences. Well, they were six foot fences. So we had to raise them to nine feet. And that's a lot to raise a fence to nine feet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then it was any place he could dig. He was digging under and then it was okay. There, then it was, he was doing this bounce where we, we put, when we would bring the trash cans in to keep them off the street, he would bounce off the trash cans to get up. Like it was like, and then it was like, he would trick people <laughs> into opening the gate. And then it was just like, it was, there was and I, this is the same thing I think about it. So I'm like, well, then you, you really, if you're really going to try and prevent every possible way, you have to go through all these things. What if they know somebody and they could get someone to let them in? Or what if they distract the security? Or what if X, Y, Z? And like, oh my God. Like, and, and then it's like, if you, if we would, for, he could open the latch. So if we forgot to deadbolt it with a separate lock, you know, just going in and out, you know, he would get, he would open the latch. Mm-hmm. Get, oh my God, it's like, <laughs> things are endless. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, the, 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 the solution then is you can only fortify so much. So what other options mm-hmm. do you have? And in this particular case, you know, not not Philip's dog, but in this particular case of someone sneaking into a park to raise hell, I, I, I think that, you know, the idea of if you see it, say it, has to be reinforced amongst all of the staff. And I know that, again, sounds yeah. so trite, but 
you know, the worst, the worst thing that can happen to somebody who's trying to raise hell is that they get seen before they get a chance to, to do whatever they set out to do. Um, another thing that will help, I think, is the un, unquestionable presence of uniformed police officers. Um, and I, and it, yeah. you got to put it in the budget because you got to, you know, off duty cops don't mind coming to these events because they make really good money when they're off duty. Um, so, you know, yeah. and, and finding a team and building a relationship with that team so that they can help your internal security and they work together. And then, you know, everybody who, who takes a ticket, clicks a turnstiles, it works behind a cash register, sells sodas on, on the streets or on the sidewalks. Um, keeping an eye out for suspicious behavior. We live in a world where yeah. weird stuff is going to happen and stuff that, you know, yeah. when I was younger is just, it's just, it happened, but it was just so rare. And now it's so commonplace. And, and it's, so we just have to be more vigilant. Uh, there is no, there is no light switch that's going to turn off this problem. Um, and that's why I say, uh, you know, when we were talking earlier about the uh, about the knots policy, it's like I think that's definitely a step in the right direction. It's certainly something to try. I hope it works. I hope it discourages the the low hanging fruit. But in this particular case in Kennywood, if they came over a fence, it's exactly. not going to do a thing. Exactly. So, they wouldn't have done anything. Exactly. So yeah. I. I think that we need to, there is no one solution and we need to continue to find multiple solutions um, and solutions that are right for your park. You know, obviously I'm sure Kennywood, if this, if we're talking about this, this, this theory, I'm guessing that they've already long, also talking, long yeah. thought of, yeah. long ago thought about it and have done a perimeter walk to go, wait, where could they possibly come in? Um, and where could we possibly not only reinforce, but put an additional camera or where could we, you know, make it so that this is the one that, that a lot of people don't really think about, but where can we either add or remove additional landscaping? So yeah. we can either make it more difficult to get to the fence because they have to climb through a thorn bush or, uh, get rid of something so that it's completely visible and not hidden, you know, and I know that, that the, the, the storyteller in me, the, the theme park guy in me wants to say, well, we want to hide that ugly chain link fence. But at the same time, if it's where the shooter gets in, uh, to heck with making it pretty, let's make it safe first. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, and, and also to your point too, there's, there's really no, there's really no way of knowing once everyone is in because uh, I, 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 I've been to Knott's app since after the, the, the policy came in and we've been there uh, for the Scary Farm event. And there were, say, there were plenty of groups where everybody in the group was definitely a minor. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. So there, and there, that's the other piece of this is there's no identification, right? Like you don't, uh, you don't know that they are being chaperoned actively, right? There's no, um, so, so that's the other thing too. You just, you, you yeah, if, if you're coming in, not, not in that way, you know, it's, yeah. Anyway, there's- The button there's... I want to put on this, the button I want to put on this is, uh, in, with the information that I have, it doesn't appear that Kennywood has done anything wrong. It doesn't appear that yes. Nuts has necessarily done anything wrong. I want to make- I totally agree. Really, I agree really with that. Clear. Yeah, that's this a good point. It's an industry-wide problem, and it's an industry-wide problem that is going to require the industry to continue to share best practices, and the industry is going to need to change this mentality somehow- 
I'm not sure what that answer is, but I think that, you know, I, I give, give credit where credit is due to knots. I hope this works. I, I'm skeptical. I'll be honest, yeah. but I hope it works. And I hope it works for Kennywood because, you know, they're both great parks and I'm, I'm hoping that they can continue to, to make them safe places for people to have a good time. Yep. I agree with that. And I, I do think it's, it's also important too, that people keep trying because that's how we're going to share best practices. You can't share best practices if nobody tries anything Correct. new. And Correct. in that way, I think it's, it's brilliant that these people are trying something and letting everyone, so that we can have these discussions. Otherwise we can't even, you know, if nobody was doing anything different, it would, would just be the same conversation. So, yep. um, so, uh, next thing I did want to talk a little bit about some, some reports that I, I, of course, you know, we've been doing our hauntathon, we've been going out, both of us to events and working on events. And uh, some of the reports I've been hearing when speaking and reporting to haunters is, uh, again, the same type of, I don't want to say puzzling, but just same type of stuff we had talked about in terms of attendance, where we're seeing some of the, the brand name areas seem to be doing okay. Well, if, if we're to sort these into categories, obviously Disney and Universal are doing swimmingly. We've talked about that. We've talked about Disney sellout on their Halloween events in Florida sold out and California, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also the, the, the mainstay, the big players in the, in markets seem to be doing better this year as projected, but some of the, I'd say mid tier and then smaller attractions are doing less well for some of their scary events. Um, and we talked a little bit about that ahead of the show. Um, and we've also seen this year, of course, more family-friendly offerings come out, like Hauntoween, for example. Um, and they've launched, they're open every day, like uh, from in October from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. And this year they've launched a new facility in New Jersey as well. So they've kind of expanded on that. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, like House of Spirits, the cocktail experiences and the immersive kind of things, those are also expanding to multiple cities around. So, Scott. Closing thoughts. Well, I got to say that uh, so much of so much of the work that I'm doing, uh, not all, but a lot of the work that I'm doing is for more family friendly stuff. And I will tell you that for years I was the the haunt guy who said, "No, I want it bigger and scarier and nastier." And the truth of the matter is, the pendulum has hit that. We can't go any bigger, scarier, and nastier without actually having horrible, horrible things happen. Um, yeah. To, to because we can't we can't top ourselves anymore. So the pendulum's starting to swing back. I do think that uh, COVID had something to do with this. I think that. People learned how to spend time with their families um, and, you know, week game nights became a thing again. Um, and so they're now they're looking for more and more family things, because as Philip said, the big players are doing great. They're holding their market share. What's happening, though, is the family friendly zoos, F, uh, FECs, uh, aquariums, museums, that sort of thing, who are doing family friendly stuff are getting gangbuster crowds. Um, and that's, I've seen that happening, um, with all of the clients that I'm, I know that are doing family friendly stuff. So, you know, maybe the, the, the pendulum is swinging back and we have to find ways to, uh, create new within that realm, even the big players, uh, things like, um, hollow scream at Bush gardens, they are even going to more of a party vibe, uh, and less of a, a terror vibe. Um, we are seeing that to a certain extent with universal. So, uh, with with yep. weekend the lagoon show the lagoon and show, the weekend, the weekend yeah. and and that sort of yeah. thing. So um, I, I think that we're going to see for a while that we have entered the uh, the 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 years of the family friendly. And you know, those of you who like diehard uh, blood guts and gore Halloween, don't panic. 
because what this is really doing, it is training the next generation of Halloween lovers. So um, hopefully this will be the time where we can get that, that great audience that's going to continue to want to grow and see more and more and more and more. Uh, obviously we've gone over, but you get Philip and I talking about Halloween and we obviously are going to go over. So we've gone over a little bit. Uh, hopefully you enjoy the show. Hopefully you enjoy our, our honest and frank conversation. Um, we certainly hope so. Until next week, when you will join us and come back and bring like at least three friends, because we want to continue to expand. Uh, on behalf of Philip Hernandez and myself, Scott Swenson, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30, and we will see you next week. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. We're counting down to Halloween with daily podcasts, videos, and events in our 61-day Hauntathon. Follow along at the link in our show notes. Our Hauntathon is made possible through generous support from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. That's gantam.com demo. Our Hauntathon team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Our partners for this year's Hauntathon include Sharp Productions, HorrorBuzz.com, ScareTrack, TheScareFactor.com, and Hauntopic Radio. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our weekly newsletter at HauntedAttractionNetwork.com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.